Welcome, everyone. Well, I'm going to open up with Alabama because Alabama has been doing some amazing things, right? They have been doing some incredible things in regards to, I don't know, making it look like America. Um, well, welcome everyone to the Tory Says Show. Today is the 29th of March, 2023. It's almost April. And I apologize for the late night show, but you know, the one thing I have to say is that when you get sick, my gosh, your life is constantly in a waiting room, constantly with follow-ups. It's extremely exhausting. Um, but I have to say, I did get a lot of errands done today. I was actually very proud of myself, especially when I had to go to government facilities to get things done. And that was actually done in less than any time throughout my whole life. I've never seen that before. Now, uh, I wanted to start with Alabama because what was interesting is you know, all these things that they've been doing, right? So Alabama has passed the Alabama Literacy Act, which requires that students in by the end of grade three should be able to read. And it includes dyslexia screening. That's number one. Then they created an Education Opportunity Act that expands education uh, savings accounts for parents and students with disabilities or in underperforming schools. Uh, then they created the Alabama Landlord and Tenant Act, which clarifies the laws related to rental properties and landlord-tenant relationships, which is pretty incredible if you actually read it, because I think they were all pissed off with all this COVID thing and, you know, owners not being able to get paid and then the government not paying the owners, which is weird. And then they also put in a medical marijuana bill that would establish medical cannabis program for the state um, for certain qualifying conditions. However, their governor, Governor Ivy, vetoed it. Now, they also passed the transgender youth ban, prohibiting transgender youth from receiving gender-affirming medical treatment or participating in school sports teams that align with their gender identity. In addition, their new gun law that has been in effect, uh, I think it's for like just recently, a couple weeks, a few weeks, uh, they have a new carry gun law known as permitless carry that allows individuals, anyone aged over 21, to carry and conceal a handgun without a permit or a license. <laughs> I guess things aren't really going to be going down in Alabama. However, there are still restrictions like schools, courthouses, law enforcement agency, private businesses that can prohibit, um, you know, firearms. And um, they're prohibited from owning or and people are prohibited from owning or possessing firearms under state and federal law are not allowed to carry guns under this new law. So if federal law says you can't have a gun, then you can't carry. Um, so I, you know, I'm, I'm seeing all of this and I'm like, that's, that's quite fascinating. You know, and the way to go, Alabama almost feels like, you know, finding out what 369 really stands for. I'm going to cut right to the chase. Nine is the magic number. Nine. I'll elaborate that at another time. It's always nine in the relation of three, six, nine. But, you know, everything is mathematical to me. I guess that's, that's the way I see it. Because, you know, if someone was to say, well, huh, you know, what is, what is it that we're living in? Right. I would say we're living in a, um, you know, numerical matrix. Right. 
because we're governed by numbers, patterns, and mathematical principles. And, you know, in this sense, you can, uh, in this context, I guess, a matrix can be understood as a system of interconnected elements that work together to create a unified whole. Or maybe it is a unified whole, trying to figure out that it is, but I digress. I mean, this is a metaphorically, um, this is a metaphoric phrase, I guess, since I love numbers so much. But it um, it describes this pervasive influence of numbers and math in our lives. We use numbers to measure time, distance, weight, and we rely on math to build structures, solve complex problems, and design technology. We calculate from the movement of celestial bodies to the behavior of subatomic particles. Anything in the natural world appears to operate according to mathematical laws. I mean, in our modern society, it's heavily reliant on data and information, which can be thought of as numerical values that are organized and analyzed using algorithms and computer systems. So in this sense, we're really living in a numerical type matrix because our lives are increasingly mediated by technology and the digital realm. Numbers and math are fundamental to our understanding of the world and our place within it. And that our society right now is <laughs> becoming more intertwined with the realm of data and computation. You know, any number you multiply by nine, its product added gives you nine. Like nine times nine is 81. Eight, eight plus one is nine. Uh, numbers, math, accuracy, and timing. Let's talk about timing for a second. Let me share a conversation from, whoa, September 15th, 2020. Now, why am I sharing this with you now? Because apparently this is news now and everyone wants to talk about it. Please take a listen. No, then talk about, well, is it right or left? Is it, you know, this or that? Just the basic history, the facts of history not the interpretation of those facts, really is needed. And it would be so refreshing and edifying, I think, to the consciousness of the American public to, you know, to, to start uh, uh, doing that, to start uh, uh, digging in and, and looking at, at, the, at this history that is seen almost archaeologically, uh, but that is living and vibrant today, not necessarily in a good way. But is you know it, 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 it it's what we're talking about right now, uh, be, because of uh, certain aspects to the way that it, that you know North America developed. There's a there really is a lack of of knowledge about about the relationship of this continent to the history of Islam and Islamic populations, given all the factions. Right. And, so, you know, so we can look at Pierre Reese. He was, a, he was a contemporary of Columbus. We can look at the people who were on board Columbus's ships. We can look at Columbus himself. Right. Well, and, his, I, and his supposed Semitic, you know, history and, and all of that. There, there's, it's what, I, I think a big question is what, what, what has gone wrong in the way that history has been taught and contoured and, 
and and developed as a study. There's 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 some really big gaps in all of that, and it's tragic because we're that's why that is why we're having the discussion that we're having right now. Well, I, it's it, it's what's missing that we're trying to fill in. Well, we there's a lot missing, but I wanted to say, okay, so talking about uh, politics and religion and these geopolitical wars, you and I share. I I had, um, you know, I really like Gaddafi. I really did. Gaddafi <laughs> really like, yeah, is as his own people we used to call him secretly. Right, but Gaddafi was was, you know, a visionary looking to the West a lot. You um, bet. And he was backstabbed by the um Obama administration when he had done so much to uh help um uh, unify, I guess, uh, create like this pan-African, pan-Africanism movement through Libya. Uh, he was rebuilding links, uh, you know, uh, with Western nations in the late 90s. He was into economic reform. And then suddenly there was a Libyan civil war that we see now because of the armed Shias that started to get in there. Now, you knew Gaddafi quite well. Mm -hmm. And I had, I had been in the same room with him twice and only once did I shake his hand. And, uh, during one of these uh, meetings and I liked him because he was, he was, um, he was, man, he was a good person. I mean, this is the impression he gave me and what Clinton did to him was disgusting, uh, because he actually was a, trying to uh, create this bridge, um, you know, uh, with the African uh, Muslim communities and nations with the Middle East and then bring them into Europe. He didn't want everyone to constantly be in the dark. Uh, one thing I remember he said at uh, one of the meetings that I was in is why is the continent still dark? Right. Why is no one investing in powering Africa? And this is like, you know, late 90s, right? Mm -hmm. uh, early 2000s. So um, it's pretty incredible, um, you know, if people understand what happened there. And you knew that area very well. You've been there during this mm -hmm. period of time. So, you know, he was one of the first nations to out of his own you know, free will, no one asked to condemn the September 11th attacks, which everybody says it's the Saudis. I'm saying it's the Pakistanis, whatever, you know, that'll come out soon. We're having the Gitmo trials coming, but, and he condemned Al Qaeda for it and gave the United States money. And, you know, um, he wanted to involve his nation of Libya into the war against terror because he didn't like the radicalization of Islam within his territory of North Africa and was urging everyone to get on the same page. So, you know, he did so many movements to contain what has gotten out of control now, right, um, back then. So would you speak to your personal experience with Gaddafi to my audience? Well, I, I admired him as well. And, you know, while a lot of jokes uh, swirled all over the place about him because he because he was an eccentric, to say the least, uh, you know, he required camel's milk. 
over and against any other form of milk, you know, because he, 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 he was proud of his Bedouin history, which a lot of people in Libya itself laughed at, you know, that Bedouins were, you know, and, and to this day are considered kind of, you know, ignorant peasants relative to, to the educated Northern Libyans. Uh, you know, quite apart from any factions and sep- distinctions between between the Tamazites, the uh, Amazigh people, the, who who are the Berbers and and the Arabs and so forth, which runs deep, it still exists there. And and Gaddafi had a handle on that, and, and he 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 tried to soothe it these distinctions with this, this Bedouin identity and the, and the, the, his way of proudly, you know, professing the a Bedouin uh, mentality, which is, which is more boundless, you know, uh, desert related and, and so on in terms of consciousness. And it really got to that level in, in Libya under his rule. He was a character, a, 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 a mad genius, some would say. I, I wouldn't go that far, but a, a, an interesting person who, 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 for example, who took a really, really special interest in Islam in the Americas before Columbus, and that's what brought me to him and to Libya. Uh, uh, the funding by the the uh, what, what's called Jamiat al Dawa Islamia. Which, which was itself founded in Libya and served 72 countries. And, and, and this is the, the bringing to the world the, the word of Islam and the, the history of Islam and the, the, the academic and, and scientific side of, 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 of Islam. And, and he, he thought himself to be the, you know, the real leader of, of bringing to the world the, the word and the knowledge of of Islam as it had uh, spread from Mohammed on through to North Africa, to Africa, how it swept across Africa, and and on that point, you know, wh- what are we what are we really talking about in terms of the complexion of of, of the of the identities of North Africa? We're, we're talking about a, a later sweep of Arabs across. Uh, Berber nations across the, the the Berber people who fled into the mountains, the Atlas Mountains, when the Arabs arrived. Gaddafi uh, fancied himself an Arab, but a Bedouin Arab, and 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 so anyway, with that he 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 founded Jamiat al Dawa Islamia, the the Islamic call. Yeah, to to I, Islam and, I, and wait wait buff we can get into the history stuff at another time what I want to do is demonstrate to people how the last you know years of uh, turmoil that he was in led to where we are now because it's not just the previous administrations on their own uh, it was the United Nations that had put Gaddafi in a box and you know by um what do they they you um, can't forget Pan Am 103. Right. Well, it really, which is the pivotal uh, issue well, go on. in terms of, uh, of why 
why Gaddafi was taken out. Please explain that to the audience, um, because uh, what I want to show is, you know, it was the United Nations that had suspended Libya from the UN Human Rights Council, right? And then they called them to the International Criminal Court, which has no authority over any nation unless you allow it. And they issued warrants for Gaddafi, because right now in Libya, what we have is, we have two Libyas. We have the whole nation of Libya under the control of General Haftar and the Libyan people. And then we have Tripoli that is owned and operated by the United Nations, the same ones that helped the Obama administration topple and trample all over Libya. So would you explain how it kicked off with the Pan Am, what you had seen, you know, how Gaddafi was on a personal level, right? Uh, at mm -hmm. that time, I mean, you know, he was, he was a visionary looking to the West, looking to um, modernize uh, the nations around him. And here they are, the United Nations, quashing him like a bug. Obviously, he wanted the gold standard. He didn't want a fiat currency and all these things, right? That played into, that came into play too. But his complaint was that he was trying to um, bring light to the African continent. And this is why he created this Pan-African thing. He was actually a guy that was trying to create peace by a uh, way of commerce because that is how you create peace between nations it's not like okay yeah. we're gonna be friends now it's like let's all be trading together this is how you squash old wars by saying well you know we are trading and we're making money and our people are happy so maybe we should just bury the hatchet for now and and that is something that president trump most recently um you know executed you know serbia kosovo the the whole you know issue in that Falcon block uh, was done through, you know, economic agreement. And this is what we're seeing in the Middle East now. So this is where I wanted to bring it to what the what was happening that you had seen yourself, you know, and how you experienced Gaddafi right before they took him out and what happened during that time. Uh, so people understand just how, uh, you know, again, back to the core and the point of this whole, you know, show today is to uh, um, amplify and for people to understand that it was the previous government that had maintained and supported uh, covertly and in the shadows, the only faction of Islam that causes instability that is thriving not to say that the shia shouldn't exist don't get me wrong but if you're empowering them with weapons and the ability to covertly act against all the uh, against the sunnis smack in the middle that causes instability so basically what the obama administration was great at was perpetuating instability in the middle eastern region but i wanted to take well, and, and seeing divide and rule right, you know as 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 as, as more than a tactic right. and, and so finding is, those who could continue, you know, the divisions, both sides. He, right, right. He, ta he toyed with both sides. And so have all the presidents who had anything to do with the Middle East. And it does go back to Thomas Jefferson once again, but we won't get into yeah. that. Well, I wanted you uh, to talk Pan about Pan Am 103 yeah, yeah, is, an, is an issue dear to my heart because the I, I was in Libya during that period. And I left Libya on the day of Pan Am 103. And I'm telling you, it, it, I have an uncanny parallel 
uh, uh, relation and situation with that event. Pan Am 103 is a, uh, 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 was a, a plane packed with people that was taken down over Lockerbie, Scotland. And, and you know, I, I, I was, I think, scheduled to actually be on that flight. And I was put on another flight. And I was given a, a, a briefcase uh, that uh, matched exactly the briefcase that was supposed to contain the explosives for Pan Am 103. My briefcase had had a, had security uh, tape around it, all around it in both directions, or you know, horizontally and vertically. If you if you set the briefcase up, and it, it, it I, I, I to this day I can't uh, understand exactly why I was given my briefcase back after a, a fairly long stay in Libya that had that had these security uh, tapes on it. But it, it was a it was a Samsonite briefcase buff, that is identical buff, to the buff. briefcase that Wait, was used in Pan Am One Hundred Three. Just to clarify, so the briefcase you were given, with you know, kind of like a diplomatic briefcase, because you know, people that have done private contracting work do get these briefcases, right? Um, yeah. So you were given no. This a was my. This was right. the briefcase I I I went, I flew to Libya right. with. It was taken from me. It was held for the. This is this was the the period that I was there, uh, not leaving and coming back, leaving and coming back. But the extended period that I was there, it was held. It was filled with some documents and books, and it was given back to me on the day of my departure, which was the same day of Pan Am One Hundred Three. And it was given back to me to all, with all this tape around it, around it in, in horizontally and vertically, as I mentioned. And it matched exactly. It was the exact same kind of briefcase that was used, supposedly used, by one of the two uh, plotters and hijackers of, of, the, of the plane. Uh, not my plane, but of a, of a Pan Am 103. You were going to be on that, that plane, right? You got it. That, and, and, and why did my briefcase match the briefcase that was used? And why all that security tape? And why was I not given the briefcase back, uh, you know, on the day of my departure that had been taken from me the day of my arrival? And I never saw it during the time I was there. I wanted it because I had research materials and books in it. That had to do with what my contract was about. That that was the a contract with with Jamie Taldawa meaning in effect the government of Libya. Uh, it, it started in September of that year, 1988, and so I wanted to bring with me the a lot of the materials I used because I knew I was going to be giving presentations in Libya to university students, a lot, a lot of medical students who were my guides. Every time I, 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 I went to Libya, I had, I had students who were my guides and officials who were my guides and part of Libyan intelligence and, and so on. Um, and, you know, it, why this briefcase was held and not released to me, which is very strange because I needed it to do the lectures, to give the presentations, and then given to me with all of this security tape in Arabic de describing that it was a security tape wrapped around it uh, the day of my departure, which turned out to be that day in December when Pan Am 103 was taken down over Lockerbie. It's, it, it, you know, it, I mean, the, 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 there's, 
I don't know what exactly was going on in the background, but what I do know is that Libyan intelligence was fractured even th- even that early in 1988. So, so Buff, uh, let's let's move on to you know right before. Uh, tell people how Gaddafi would um, you know sleep. And, you know, these little things that people don't understand, uh, you know, because he was eccentric. Remember, whenever he used to go to these African um, uh, uh, meetings, he would wear, you know, more African tradition clothes. Right. Uh, He Mm -hmm. was all about uh, just bringing everyone together. So and he was a very simple man, too. Um, He was. um, Yeah, he he had a he had a mansion that he didn't use but set up a, a, a Bedouin tent in front of it where he slept. You're talking about how he slept and where yeah, he slept. Yeah. It, was in, it was in his Bedouin temp, tent. And, and this girl, you know, grand, glorious mansion that was housed by many of his, uh, his officials and, and where a lot of meetings, top-level meetings occurred. Here's, here's Muammar, uh, you know, in his tent. And he would hold his, the most important meetings with nation, heads of nations and, and, you know, very important scientists and others in his tent, drinking camel's milk. And, he, you know, he would eat uh, a young uh, camel veal. It's actually and, quite tasty. Camel tastes good. It tastes like yeah, ostrich. I know. I'm not. It I'm not mocking like, that. Yeah, no, okay. I'm, I'm saying not, it tastes like uh, ostrich. Uh, it's gamey like ostrich. Um, I actually uh, had some of that when I was uh, I, when I was in Haifa. Actually, I ate camel. Really? Yeah, I ate camel in <laughs> I, Haifa. Uh, so the you kangaroo know, tail is the only uh, unique Australian uh, Australian food I've ever had. Camel's tail. Yeah, I mean, I mean, kangaroo tail. Excuse me, kangaroo tail. I remember eating it, and I was like, "Well, I didn't know what it was." They ordered the food, right? And I was like, "Oh, this is some good meat." You know, what is it? Is it? It tasted kind of like chicken, but it was gamey chicken. And I was like, "Is this rooster?" And they just all laughed. They were like, "It's camel." I was like, "All right." Uh, (laughs) So that was the first time I had camel. Um, I wanted I wanted people to understand. I'm with you on Gaddafi, by the way, and I and I think I think that the you know the, the the way that uh, his arrest was so gloriously celebrated on on news networks was disgusting. You know, you, you heads of state shouldn't be presented, uh, you know, to to a public, to the American public, or any other public in the manner that you know that that he was presented with his capture, or for that matter, Saddam Hussein's capture, who was ruthless. Uh, you know, I I I I, I wasn't terribly. In- favor of either of them, although I did like Gaddafi like you, you did the, 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 for all kinds of reasons. Well, so I, I'm the same I, I a different his matter. Ideas. I liked his ideas and the fact. I do not know why YouTube is slowing this down when it's completely downloaded. Uh, so I'm going to stop it there. The reason that I played that is because now they're starting to talk about Libya, but I'm going to tell you um, what we all need to be looking at. And that's Somalia. So Somalia right now, uh, you know, most of the Muslim communities are going through Ramadan. And what's interesting, what's very interesting, is that um, the Somalis are in a drought. They're having high officials getting killed. Um, 
ISIS-linked Norwegian sisters were arrested after repatriation from Syrian refugee camp. There's fighting between Somali and Afar ethnic groups. Uh, There's a new law that they just passed allowing foreigners to buy all kinds of property, right? It is insane, like, what you're seeing. Um, You know, today, President Ruto, um, he mourned Benissa, um, the member of parliament as a dedicated public servant. He, as the head of state and late legislator, he was a leader who was passionate to advocate for Kenyans. Now, let me tell you why Somalia is so important. So, Al-Shabaab has their own court system. Al-Shabaab, I, I've talked about this so many times because it's so important. Al-Shabaab is a target um, and it is a handled group of mil- militants, right? These were all pirates, right? But they're a handled group by the old guard. And so uh, Al-Shabaab has their own court system and they use violent punishments against those who are accused of breaking Al-Shabaab laws. It operates a parallel justice system uh, under its own control uh, and it enforces its own interpretation of Sharia law. And a lot of people in Somalia use the Al-Shabaab system to prosecute and punish individuals who are accused of crimes ranging anything from theft to adultery. So if it's women, obviously they're stoned to death. If you're a thief, they cut your hand off. You know, it's pretty, they'll, they'll use a machete in the middle of, you know, wherever to get it done. Now, Al-Shabaab's court system lacks due process protections. And this is an argument and a discussion happening right now in, in, um, uh, Somalia. Uh, the defendants are never provided a lawyer, never the opportunity to present evidence in their defense. Instead, the Al-Shabaab courts just rely on confessions, which are often given after they're tortured, right? So they'll accuse a woman of, you know, being indecent or committing adultery, and then they'll all train rape her and then have her admit that she liked it, and then they stoner to death, right? So, you know, there are brutal punishments that they carry out, uh, amputation, public executions, right? Um, And this is a hot topic uh, in uh, Somalia right now, but I'll tell you why it's hot now. Well, Joe Biden just nominated Richard H. Riley, not the same Richard Riley that was governor of South Carolina. That's another guy um, who was a a FSO, a foreign service officer, served in various diplomatic postings throughout his career. Uh, He served in Canada, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Yemen, and Iraq. Again, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Yemen, and Iraq. In Canada, he served as the U.S. Consul General for Quebec City for like, I think, a couple of years under Clinton. Uh, well, Bush, sla- Bush Senior slash Clinton. He was responsible for managing a variety of issues in regards to mm, security and investments. Now, here's the good part. In Pakistan, he served as the Deputy Chief of Mission in Islamabad from 95 to 98 under Clinton. That is the period of time that Barack Hussein Obama was in Karachi. So that's interesting. But anyway, during this time, he helped manage how the U.S. was responding to nuclear tests that Pakistan was doing. And I think I've mentioned this before. And even on that interview with Buff Perry, how, you know, they 
one day people woke up and there it is, India and freaking Pakistan are shooting missiles at each other, right? So um, it, what's fascinating is that he was there during that time. Now in Afghanistan, get this, right as we were, because the war in Afghanistan started way earlier than what people know. And I had run into Riley when he was U.S. ambassador in Afghanistan. I believe it was like 2003. Um, and he actually served between 2002, 2003. Um, and that was during the, um, you know, the first 9-11 terrorist attacks. We're going to go in and we're going to get him, you know, kind of thing. Um, and so what's weird is that... Um, in Yemen, he also served as ambassador right after that, up until 2007. Um, so I'm trying to point out people that enter to create issues in Iraq, mind you. Riley served as the coordinator for the economic transition in Baghdad for a year. He was responsible for overseeing um, how the U.S. was implementing money to support economic development and reconstruction of the country following our entry point, allegedly, in 2003. Now, he's had weird-ass postings, right? He um, is not a very good guy, and he's just been nominated, and this is a guy that has promoted I repeat, promoted horrific things on foreign lands. We should be watching Somalia because if he's being nominated for Somalia, that's where you need to be paying attention because the Horn of Africa is hot right now and they are this radical portion of the continent that can disrupt everything that's going on within the Middle East and the North African nations. So it's imperative that we keep our eyes open and that we understand how they operate and how, how they operate is by seeing who they put in there. This is a huge deal. So this is a very big deal, extremely big deal. Now, moving along in horrific things, I don't know if you guys heard about it, but in Mexico, um, there was a migrant center in Ciudad Juarez, right? And um, 38 people died. And apparently they caught like the officers running out of the facility while people who were imprisoned or in, you know, restraint were being burned alive. That's pretty insane. That is extremely concerning. And all these people were just set on fire. This is not a good thing. A very not a good thing. <laughs> not, not, not a good thing. And, you know, no one is really talking about it. They're saying that people set the mattresses on fire because they knew they were getting deported. But then there's reports that there was a circuit short. My gosh. Those guards left those people in there to burn alive. Women and men between the ages of 19 and 44. That is horrific that, that, that these guards actually let it happen. They died. They died. And it's terrible. Now, speaking of Mexico, 
you know, here we are, you know, Joe Biden is like, oh, I don't like oil, but here he is auctioning off a portion of our maritime territory in the Gulf of Mexico for oil drilling. So we're auctioning it off and asking any country, hey, you want to buy this spot so you could drill some oil? Why? So they can cause a natural disaster and blame it on the other nation. But of course. So this um, area that they're auctioning off is uh, the size a little bit smaller than the size of the country of Italy. And while environmental groups are saying that, oh, oil drilling in the area could cause harm to marine life and exasperate climate change, he put it on auction. So how is he pushing? He's pushing for less reliance on fossil fuels and transitioning into energy sources, but he's also auctioning off on his own accord, on his own accord, a portion of our waters for a foreign nation to drill on. I want you to think of it because this is where they come in. They sit down to drill oil. They pay us because they're drilling the oil, right? And then there's an oil spill and then it's uninhabitable. Then they've taken out your waters and your shore and it's game over. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to see the writing on the wall. In the meantime, right, we have this guy named Rafael Grossi, who's an Argentinian diplomat, who's the director um, general of the International Atomic a- Energy Agency, the IAEA. I've talked about that agency before. And um, he um, has had various positions um, uh, in the Argentine government, including secretary for political affairs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, He's urging that Russia and, you know, Ukraine decide that the uh, nuclear plant that they have there uh, is protected and that nobody throws any bombs around it, which is really bizarre. Uh, I'm pointing this out because I've talked about Argentina and their uh, areas of energy. We need not delve into it as of yet, but it is important to explain and and notate explain and notate to explain uh, the reason why I'm pointing this out is because he went through the SEP program at Columbia University. Now that is um, a pretty big deal. I mean, someone will be like, "No, it's not. He's just continuing his education." Well, just so you know, this guy had gotten his poli sci degree in Buenos Aires. He's got his master's degree from the University of Geneva in Switzerland, and then he did his SEP at Columbia University. Um, so uh, that's actually quite interesting. Before we move into this bill about TikTok that everyone's losing their mind over, and rightly so. I want to also mention that, did you hear about the mysterious human remains that were discovered at Lake Mead after it started shrinking? Well, it's something of a very thrilling adventure. Apparently, the lake started to shrink due to severe drought, right? And so the level started to drop. It's like the lake was trying to tell us a secret. After being submerged for over 50 years, the remains of a man who was lost for, you know, 20, since 1970 were found. He was 20 years old when he disappeared. 
and now they found him. So that was interesting because they ID'd a guy who was there and was lost. In 1970, a guy named Joe Jones went missing at the age of 20. Nobody knows why he died, but they're hoping that the discovery of the remains will provide some closure for his family after these years. Well, maybe we can get more than just closure, right? Maybe we can find out what happened, right? Right. I think that would be interesting. Now, we're going to break and I'm going to shut down all the other feeds and keep it on Rumble so that way I can play Musica. But before we do, I wanted to share a video. Um, thank you, Vincent. Um, I wanted to share a video of um, just something that was on TikTok that was quite fascinating. I mean, I guess the words were fascinating. And I thought I would share that. Let me get that for you. Let me upload it while I disconnect. You can come to Rumble to Tori Says. We're live. I'm going to play this clip, disconnect the feeds from, you know, the social media companies that like to disconnect people when they speak truth because we're going to talk about this bill. And, um, and we'll continue from there after I play a really amazing mashup of the Bee Gees and ACDC, of course. Now take a listen to this while I disconnect. So those of you on other platforms, hop on over to Rumble. And thank you everyone for the Rumble rants, the stickers, everything. Here we go. Like, hello, that was like the ultimate mashup, right? We're saying a lot. I mean, this is the year of the R. And one of uh, the key words that we should use is revenge. And I say this in a nice way. Um, yeah, kind of like reciprocation for what you put out. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I love ACDC and just finding a nice mashup with the Bee Gees and ACDC. You can't help but dance in your chair like I was. I, and, and it wasn't even my era. I freaking love them. Uh, and you know what? Even though they were wearing really high-waisted, you know, bell bottoms. <laughs> They still look like men. You know, we have no men in this world anymore. They're all soy, limp. You know, I had this conversation with someone the other day, you know, oh, your daughter, she's like going to be 23 and getting married. And I was like, yeah, are you okay? I love that boy. Why? Because he can put up a shelf. He can pipe things up and weld things. He can take care of a household. You know, that is the ultimate partner for a woman. Done. And you know, my, my, um, my eldest, um, you know, she's, she's up there in her intelligence like me. Um, and actually I was having this conversation with, um, with Millie the other day. You know, I, I believe that because of the, um, type of, uh, career I had in training, it allowed me to not be, my awkward self in communications, right? I have very uh, big issues. And I guess a, a lot of people, you know, they're like, oh, you're really smart. So no, no, that plagues people, right? Because we're thinking, you know, 
like say you're going from, you know, LA to New York, our minds are already like in New Jersey and you've just taken off from LA sometimes when it comes to topics and in, in the topics that where your realm is. Right. And then when it comes to communications or people skills, that's like completely in the toilet. And the reason I bring this up is why this bill is insane. Okay. So, uh, you know, when you, when you gain too much, you lose in other areas. And I want people to understand how these individuals see them by understanding how, you know, people that are supposedly intellectually on the scale of whatever scale they have, you know, superior or they're super nerds, right? Like, you know, I don't, you know, hide the fact I don't register for these things. I mean, you know, I didn't register for it. The government just did it when I was in kindergarten. Okay. But for those of you that may have smart children or are smart themselves, I would highly uh, stay away from taking any um, Mensa um, testing um, at one of their facilities. I would highly recommend that you go to a private psychologist that has been trained in this. They're easy to find. Therefore, it remains in your medical records and there's a lot more privacy. That way you're not fielded or your kids aren't fielded um, by the government. And, um, you know, depending on how they, uh, utilize you, um, you know, nowadays, uh, they don't want smart people. They will execute them unless they can control them. And usually they can control those that have issues in communicating with people and are short. You know, I, I, I know a lot of people have told me, oh my gosh, Patrick Byrne is like so short and his patient. It's like, no, is they see it as, you know, what is efficient and what isn't right? And what makes sense in ones and zeros. And this is the way your government officials operate or they're being told because most of them there have an IQ of a shoe size toddler, right? They're all dumb. They just do, right? They just do what they are told. And this is why we need to remove every single one of them. Now let's elaborate on this TikTok. Um, issue. All right. First of all, it's TikTok is a subsidiary of the company that they're really targeting, which is ByteDance LTD. And what they've done is they've created this umbrella of all these companies that could fall into it. And this is why, you know, it's really bad. So we're talking TikTok, Top Buzz, Vigo Video, Hello, um, that Indians use from India. Um, Flipagram, right? That's another thing, the video editing thing. ByteDance has other companies too that you don't know about, right? They have interest in it. Now, the investors in ByteDance, which is the key, right, um, is our uh, uh, SoftBank, Sequoia Capital, and General Atlantic. And it's like, wait a minute, are the gloves off with these people? Are the gloves off with these people? Because that is exactly what I'm seeing that the gloves are off. They're going after their own. They've created these camps that are really, really bizarre camps. Now, this bill, this bill, the, the weirdness of it is it's extensive uh, overreach. Is that the right way to say it? Extensive overreach, I think. I think that's the way we could say it. Extensive overreach. 
there is an extensive overreach. And that is um, extremely concerning to see that there is an extensive overreach for the people. Disallowing the people from communicating as they wish. Now, I've said this before. Data, 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 data. That's all. And like I said at the beginning of the show, we're in a numeric matrix. They want everything. You type, text, share. Now, interesting, and I'm going to pause for a second, and I'd like you to take that couple second pause and think. Would you like your data to be in the hands of the government or a private company? Real question. I'll have to wait 30 seconds because I have to see the comments and there's a delay on the stream. So everyone's saying neither. All right, let me tell you how data is collected, okay? Just listen carefully. So you guys know I use different platforms, right? So I'm going to explain to you how data works. So you really need to think hard on this because this is a problem we the people have to solve. I stream with locals. With locals, you guys support my work by contributing monthly or annually to follow me. And you guys know I use it for more personal stuff, right? That rather than news. But every time you use that, they send me data on you. Now, I don't have that data, but the company that processes your payment information does. I can access that data because they give it to me because it's considered mine. I don't use it. I don't download it. But I can tell you that three companies, which would be locals, then the payment processor they have and me have access to it. Think about it. So if someone wanted to weaponize data, government can do it. And so can a private company. There are a lot of platforms, right, that can use it. So the question is, how do we ensure, right, how this data is collected because they collect this data, right? They collect all our data. You go to the doctor, data collection. You go to the bank, data collection. You go walk down the street, you've already been data collected, which by the way, I want to tell you guys something. You remember how I was talking about facial recognition and we're going to do a deep dive on it, right? Remember? Well, and I showcased those glasses that allow you to opt out. Well, I wanted to delve into facial recognition because you'll be surprised what your local cities do with all that data. They actually sell it. They sell their CCTV footage to whoever wants to buy it so that they can assess demographics or monitor someone specific if they're rich, right? So they actually hand it out. Um, and I will have that show. And you know what? The guy who invented those glasses is going to come on my show. He actually heard about my show and and said, you know, I would love to tickle the brains of your audience. And I'm like, game on. I sent him a thank you note. Game on. Because I think it's important that we understand how hard it is to put the genie back in the bottle, right? Genie back in the bottle. You can't. Data's out there. You can't be private because you're using it online and you're using it through your ISP that collects your data and whatever browser you use that collects your data, whatever email client you use that collects your data, um, whatever, you know, text message app that collects your data, whatever text messages you use collects your data. Everything collects you. There is no, uh, you know, privacy, but you expect them to respect your privacy. 
And see, when you sign all these user agreements, you know, like update user interface agreements or whatever, we update our our terms and conditions. And then it's like 1 million pages. And in those million pages, right, there's this like little blip in there that gives them perfect access to everything and just sell it. And it's really hard. Now, oh, I saw in the comments of Reflecticals, tell you what, I wore that to the airport when I was going to Denver. I was actually stopped and asked to not wear sunglasses in the airport. I played dumb. Yep. Try it out yourself. You'll see. Um, so <laughs> it was, uh, it was IR, IR flecticles or something. I'll, I'll bring him on. He actually sent me a pair of those glasses. So I tried it out at the airport and I was stopped by, you know, some random person, random person. The guy chased me, chased me. Um, so <laughs> he said, excuse me, ma'am. And I said, yes. He's like, you can't wear those sunglasses in here. I was like, oh, they're like for blue light and stuff. He's like, yeah, you're not allowed to wear them in the airport. I was like, but other people, are, you, know, you can't wear those. Okay, ma'am. And I was like, um, alrighty then. So I guess Cleveland airport has a lot of IR cameras huh, that read faces because when you wear those, you look like a glowing ball. So it probably was people saying, what is this glowing ball going around the airport? I was going to tell them what it was. Right? So I just said, Oh my bad. <laughs> Cause they, what was the problem? They probably saw that just this glowing head. Right. And you know, they came up from behind and I was kind of just mind, you know what I was trying to do? I was trying to find, I don't, I don't know if you guys are with me on this, but have you guys ever eaten cheddar sun chips? They usually give them, they're like harvest or something. Those are like my favorite chips, right? And I always love to snack on them on the plane, right? And, um, I was looking for those. So I was busy like trying to find those. And I went into one of those Hudson news things to get a bottle of water and some chips and, you know, some officer dude, you know, tapped me on my, on my shoulder. Cause I was wearing my headphones listening to news. And, you know, he said, a ma'am. And I turned around and looked at him and he saw me. He's like, you can't wear those glasses in the airport. It's like, Oh, um, why not? Other people wear glass, like no glasses. Like, is there a new law? I'm sorry. He goes, just not those. And I was like, why not? Because we said so. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I don't want to be removed from the plane. I was like, all right, then that was my experiment. That's all I wanted to know. So in essence, wearing those eye reflecticles, or I think they were IR something. Um, they were specific. They work because that was it. I just put them away and said, all right, sorry, officer, and put on my regular glasses. I just wanted to say those work. Now, going back to this bill, it expands their power to indefinitely categorize people as whatever they want based on what the AI spits out. <laughs> now... When, um, yeah, the IR pair, there you go. Parsimony just put it up. Um, when, when they put this bill together, they're constantly talking about TikTok. And what's crazy is that we have all of these Republicans on board. Now, one will say, well, Tory, that's reasonable because, you know, China doesn't give us access to things and they're compiling data. So we gave them our health data and our DNA. 
Well, uh, now we're going to stop on dancing and talking conspiracy theories and news first. Second, well, why are we only calling out China? Why don't we ban the other servers? How about we talk about DMX, right? You know what DMX is? DMX is an email uh, service provider of Germany. It's actually part of Germany's intelligence, right? The same Germany uh, German intelligence servers that were being used by then Barack Hussein Obama, who was president, and then Vice President Biden. The funny thing is, is that the NSA has no fingers in that pie. They were kicked out. So all the communications they had during while they were in executive office are long gone because Germany won't hand it over. I mean, that could be a chit of blackmail, hence why Germany is playing such a special role. I mean, in having Merkel there, she looks like the perfectly cast villain, right? But I still remember her in Mykonos dancing on a table with her bikini. So it's kind of weird. But again, why aren't we calling out all the other companies that are owned by other countries? Why only TikTok? In fact, if I was the U.S. government, I would watch TikTok. I would learn. Yeah, GMX. Thank you. GMX. So um, I would learn how their algorithms work. But they can mine all this data and turn on your phone then I would work with U.S. companies like, I don't know, Apple, that allows people to turn off these services, but they don't do that. Because then that would mean giving you control. Why don't you have the right to turn off your camera recognition on your phone because you paid for this phone, you ordered this device, you paid for it. You walked out of the store, it's all yours. You didn't get it on a payment plan, right? You went into Apple and said, I want to buy this product. But while you're using this product, right, the product is literally spying on you. It scans your face a million times a day. So why hasn't Apple provided American citizens the right to turn off the camera scanning? Question number one. Why hasn't Apple, you know, now they're giving us the opportunity, do you want to allow the app to track you all the time or just whenever you're using it or never, right? Think about it. These are the things that we should be talking about because when I hear people talking, oh, our privacy, and, oh, and now they want to spy, it's like, shut up. When have you as an American said, all right, listen, Apple, I just forked up $800 for your phone. I own it. It's like buying a chair, right? Buy a chair from like a furniture store. You pay for it. It's now your chair, right? Your chair. You bring your chair at your home and you're sitting on it. What if the chair would scan your ass and weigh you every single day and send back that information to somebody that was in a term of service when you purchased the chair, right? That you didn't understand. You'd be like, wait a minute, stop. Ask yourself, why would the phone require all this data from you constantly in their user agreement? Think of it to the most simple level because, you know, it's not complex. You got to think of the simplest argument. We're talking about TikTok. Oh, TikTok is getting all this data. Stop. Apple is getting more. When you're on the toilet and not on TikTok, it's recording, it's watching every single sound you make. Watches every single grimace you make. Watches what toilet paper you use. The phone is. 
So you're concerned about software on the phone? Well, doesn't the phone maker have fail stops to stop it from doing things? Of course it does, because that's how they block fucking apps. But everyone is so focused on, oh, look at this bill. Think about it. Think about it. We're talking about an app that's offered in the Apple store, right? That Apple won't remove, right? But Apple can restrict what information it has access to. Apple can restrict it from accessing your camera um, when you're not giving explicit authorization, like when you're recording a video. Apple can restrict its location collection. It can restrict it mining your phone. It can restrict a shit ton of TikTok stuff. So then the question is, why are we targeting the app and not the manufacturers? Why are we targeting the phone companies from providing privacy to the actual people? Think about it. We're talking about TikTok. This is how they grab your whole privacy thing because we don't have anyone out there speaking facts. The only way TikTok can get shit off your phone is because your phone allows it. So if Apple is allowing TikTok to mine this data, why aren't they saying, all right, uh, US, you got a problem with this? Here's what we're going to do. All our apps, people can command how they, if they're, if they have access to their pictures or whatever, like for example, Facebook messenger, I don't know why, but my mom likes it and she uses WhatsApp. I will never use WhatsApp. I have Facebook messenger right on one of my devices, one of them, and I'll use it there, but it does not have access to my contacts. I will not let it have access. It asks me, can I have, it still has access, but I don't allow it. So they can't use it. Right. Cause I didn't give it to them. Um, but I, I say, no, you know, it gives you the option. Can I access pictures? So if I want to send a picture to my mom from my photo cam role or anybody, I will have to then manage what I allow it to see, pick that one picture, add it to, and then send it. So while everyone's talking about this app and, oh, it's Chinese, and now we just need to get everybody's data because we, the government that can do no wrong, and we who have been in office for decades that have been fixing things, but we just can't get it right. I promise you, pay me now and reelect me and I'll do it, right? <laughs> All those people are right. We should go after TikTok, right? By not letting people use any apps that we can't collect data on. No, we should be targeting Apple, Samsung, you know, Google, all these phone manufacturers and saying, dude, I want to control my privacy. I want to be able to say no. I want to be able to tell you, no, you can't share my data unless it's by a federal warrant that allows them to take my data without telling me you can't have it. I don't want you to know what I like. I don't want you to listen to my calls. I don't need you watching me in the toilet. I should be able to turn that shit off, right? Why are we doing that? Why are we targeting the software when it's the hardware that's the problem? See, this is why we fail. Because we go with whatever narrative someone tells us and we're jumping on it, right? The software and data collection like the Internet Bill of Rights has to include devices too, 
right? We have to target the devices of what they share. We have to target what they're allowed to share with other people. That's the problem. We're failing because we're listening to the people that are driven by interest rather than the actual people that understand how this shit works. You know, you get any person that creates an app, they'll be like, yo, you know, we just create the app and we want all of these permissions and it's up to the user to disable it. Well, the user can't disable it because Apple doesn't have that fucking feature. So now what? Right. You see where I'm going with this? While we're crying that this bill won't allow us to use VPN so we can't obfuscate where we are. This bill won't allow us to hide any data because that's the way it is. This bill will also allow them to mine it, crunch it through AI and predict how much of a threat you are. And suddenly you're going to see moms that go to the school board to bitch about bad chicken nuggets because they don't want Tyson nuggets for their kids classified as domestic terrorists because that's what the bill lets them do based on them saying, ooh, I hate that lunch lady, you know, or something like that, right, in their text. And I'm using a very pedestrian example because it's really important that we understand it. So, you know, there's, it's kind of like Obamacare. You know how Obamacare and now anytime you go to the, to the doctor, dentist, the pharmacist, they're like, you allow us to share your data with like third parties. Who the fuck are these third parties? Anyone that federal law allows. Who are they? Can you list them? Yeah, that's a lot. That's kind of vague. Same thing when you get a phone, right? When you get a, you know, an iPhone, a Samsung phone, a Google phone, you know, they stopped making Razor phones. Those were dope. Um, you know, all the phones, they should have a list. Here's who we're going to share it with. They just tell you third parties. Who? The ones we want. And you're just like, no, sorry, you can't use this device. Excuse me? So you're saying I can't have your device unless I let you take all my information. How does that work? How is that even legal in the United States of America? Take your phone, put it up your ass. But here's the problem. We don't have any phones that do that. We don't. We don't have any phones that say, you know, no, you cannot collect my data. Have you ever tried to do that? Seriously, I've tried it. Have you ever tried to do that? To pull out the phone, set up your new phone and say, no, you don't want those terms and conditions. It won't let you proceed. So they're forcing you, right, to proceed, to be able to communicate. That, my friends, is the key to everything. Not the freaking software. That is the key to everything. Find me a cellular phone company that tells you that you have the right to opt out of them collecting and sharing your data with whatever third party they want. You won't. That's the problem. Fuck the apps. The apps, if you have control of what your phone can do, then you have control of what the apps can do. It's pretty simple. Take it. Occam's razor. Down a level. That's how you fix things. Not panicking about software. You got to th- The software is nothing without the hardware. There is no TikTok if you don't have an iPhone or an Android phone, right? So why doesn't iOS or Google phones provide us the ability to be able to say no? You can't even set it up as a telephone without them forcing you. And they say, hey, well, we're not forcing you. You could buy something else. Um, <clears throat> ever heard of Monopoly? Like, where am I going to go? Oh, well, then maybe you shouldn't use a phone. But even welfare people get iPhones. How am I going to operate without a phone? 
How will I operate without a phone? See, that is the problem that we have, that there's no transparency and no accountability of these people that create these devices. This is where we are. That is the key problem. It's not the problem of the software. I mean, it could be because it's a foreign nation. But if your hardware allows you the opportunity to opt out, then you win. See, this is where it's at. And that's the thing. The phone company collects your data. They see what you like, right? They sell that data. They allow other companies to mine your data. They have agreements with those companies. I guarantee you that is the way it works because there is no TikTok if there's no phone. So I don't understand why, you know, the bill is targeting the people rather than the hardware. You guys should be all over calling your senators and your congressmen right now, telling them, I'm sorry, why are we targeting this app and making us feel like, oh, you just need to surveil us to keep us safe when you can fucking talk to Apple and Google who make the operating systems for these phones to allow people to opt out of giving access to the apps. Kind of like they do with location, right? I'm sure a lot of you see it when you install it. Would you like this app to locate... To, to be able to locate you all the time or only when you're using it or just this one time, right? That's a big, big deal. Now, that's why I don't want to really talk about it because I get upset because I see really smart people, right? Upset that, they're, that this is like the Patriot Act on steroids. And it's like, no, you should tell them that bill doesn't help us. Because there is no TikTok if there is no hardware. And we need to target the hardware that's being sold in America, kind of like what President Trump did with Huawei, okay? No Huawei because there's spyware, Chinese spyware. Well, what about Apple phones that are being made in China? What about Google phones that are being made in China? This is what we need to target. We need to target the hardware. If they really want a solution and that's really their cause, then why are they not targeting the hardware. It's like everybody keeps talking about these apps, but no one's talking about the hardware and the COT system. That's why I'm not talking about it. Because it gets me upset because, you know, then I have to remember not everyone thinks in the same manner. And you're supposed to say, well, my senator and congressman are very well versed and they're spending millions of my tax dollars funding these idiots that are legal counsel and staffers around them. And all of them are just freaking idiots looking for a way to control the populace even more. No, you should give control to the populace. That is how you avoid pitfalls, period. Period. And, and so I get very, I get my panties in a twist. Like I can't participate in those conversations, you know, with people that, you know, just, oh, TikTok, TikTok. This is something that you should be doing. They should be targeting the damn hardware. The damn hardware. That's it. Nothing else. Software is software. It needs hardware to work. So why are you targeting the software? See? Let's pretend there's TikTok, okay? All of us. Ooh, look, there's TikTok, okay? Where do you use TikTok? Uh, on my phone. Let's say you don't have a phone. There's no TikTok. It's kind of like that thing that something doesn't exist unless you can see it. You can have an idea of TikTok, but if you don't have a device to put it on, then, <laughs> you know, it doesn't exist. So how do you remedy this? by ensuring that the devices give us power over our data, but they don't. So if anyone wanted to counter this, I don't know, 
say is I'm writing to my senator or my congressman and saying this is bullshit, right? You're talking about TikTok. Why don't you target the hardware companies to give the people power back? Because that's not what they're about. They're about, we want all your data and nobody else. End of story. You see, that's the problem. That's the problem. And so, you know, while everyone's like, oh my God, they're going to surveil us. And if we use a VPN, it's like, we're so much trouble. And then they're going to classify all, all of us is, is domestic terrorists. Okay. Well, they can't do all that if you have control over your phone and what it shares. So what's the problem that we have? We have no control over our data. What's the problem that we have? That our Senate, Congress, and all these other clowns out there are not, you know, enforcing that I paid 800 fucking dollars for this phone. I should have rights over this phone. No, we own all your data. We just, we, you just pay that price so that you can use it. But we own everything on there. You see where I'm going with this? They give you the illusion that you have control over your phone. But in essence, they can turn, wipe your phone remotely if they want to. They can track you because you have a scorned boyfriend or girlfriend if they have the right friends or the right amount of money. You know, and if you have a stalker, they can purchase your data for a cool $250,000. Don't ask me why I know. Maybe I asked around for something. So, you know, these are the things that we should be talking about. But instead, we're talking about the stupid bill that makes no fucking sense because if it's TikTok today, it's going to be something else tomorrow just to expand their powers when we should be demanding that they give us the power back to us. That's it. That when I buy this phone and I owe no allegiance to AT&T because I paid for it in full, I owe no allegiance to Verizon because I paid for it in full. No allegiance to to T-Mobile because I paid for it in full. That means all the data in there is under my control and I share whatever the fuck I want because I paid for it. Kind of like the chair. I buy a chair from a furniture store. I don't expect it to be scanning my ass and waving and weighing me every day and sending information back. I bought the chair. It's mine. I do whatever I want. That's the way it is. That is how you operate. And, 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 And so I see all these pundits that are supposed to be smart. Talking about this bill, really talking shit. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't expect people, you know, I have an advantage. I've said that before. I'm a little bit more upgraded than others, right? I get it. But when you're having these conversations, well, we got to, no, we got to not. We got to tell them this bill better be dead in the water and you need to rewrite that bill to get the companies that produce the hardware that these apps are on, i.e. Google Store, Google, Android, and Apple, iOS. That is how you fix it. That is how you fix it. When they advocate for our rights over our own data, we don't have that now, right? We don't have that. You can't even turn off your phone. If you want to disappear, you cannot turn off your phone. If I want to have a private conversation, I have to throw all my phones in two Faraday bags, one and then into another to make sure that there's no incoming and outgoing communications. It's freaking stupid. I should have the right to privacy. I should have be, I should be afforded the privacy of my papers from private corporations that are using it to make themselves richer. You know what they can do to idiots? 
They can incentivize. They could say, hey, Joe Schmo, you just bought a brand new iPhone. Do you want to accept the terms and conditions? And you say no. But if you do, we'll give you six months of free iTunes. And then Joe Schmo's like, sure, why not? And it's game over. And Joe Schmo deserves to be spied on because that was the price of his privacy. Six months of iTunes for free. Right? This is how you do it. They don't have to like block it. They could give us the option. And if someone's stupid enough, they'll be like, sure, take my information. I don't care. I get a free donut, kind of like the vaccine. Hey, want to participate in an experiment that's not an experiment? <laughs> it is. You get a free donut for a whole year. That was the price they had on their health. Hence, what I'm saying is we are doing this wrong. Yeah, I know. I need my own think tank, don't I? How are you going to do that? So we can put it together. I need my own. Well, we are the think tank, right? We are the think tank. <clears throat> the people of the United States are a think tank. That's why I say, I see all these people. Oh my God. that are supposed to be smart. And I'm like, look, first of all, burn your degree, like shut up because, you know, I can't participate. I, I have been invited, you know, I was actually going to talk about this on the space that Jennifer did about this, but I didn't have time because I was at the doctor and I was running errands. Right. But there were other spaces and other people that, Oh, Tori, can you come in and chime in? And it's like, no, cause I'm going to embarrass the shit out of you. I'm going to tell you how dumb you are. Cause I heard your monologue already and you sound like an idiot, sir. And I'm not coming on there to make you look even stupider. Cause it's not going to be fair. Right. And you too, ma'am, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to do it because that's not okay, but I'm going to do it privately and say all of them are idiots. So look at everyone who's talking. Oh my God, this is Bill. And it's like, uh, <sighs> bite dance doesn't operate without a phone. Can we like focus on the source of where they're getting this data? I mean, it's logical. It's common sense. Huh? And it's like, nobody has a lot of common sense. They're not thinking about solutions. That's the problem. They're thinking about reactionary pundinging and, and shit like that. And then you have to think, isn't there one damn lawyer surrounding the alleged patriotic senators and patriotic congressmen to say, you know what? This is really dumb. We should focus that the people that produce the hardware, the, well, well, you know, the hardware is one thing, you know, the components, right? But then we could, we could say we can target the people that have the operating systems of the hardware being used, right? The operating systems is where you start. So what does the operating system allow you to do, right? And then we target the hardware, which President Trump was all over. And this is why I'm thinking, I'm looking at people in President Trump's camp talking shit. And I'm like, did you forget what he did while he was in office? Are you all just dumb or just along for the ride? You know, and, and that's the thing. I, I get I get very frustrated and and, and very, very, I get my panties in a twist when I see it, you know, I really do. Cause I can't look at people that are talking about it in that sense. Uh, because I'm like, all right, so we're all, we're all fucked because there's a bunch of stupid people out there that aren't thinking of solutions. They're thinking, how do we react to it? How do we make it stop? No, you shouldn't make it stop. You should say it's fucking stupid because this isn't solving the problem. That's how you fix things. It's stupid. It's stupid. It's stupid. It's a 
band-aid that gives the government free and unfettered control. It does not provide a solution because if it's not TikTok today, it'll be some app tomorrow and we'll be right at the same place again, creating or expanding this bill more and adding more apps. Maybe we'll throw in truth social too, right? We'll just throw it all in there and it's not a solution. The solution is give the power back to the people, give them the ability to choose if they want to share their data. And for the idiots out there, because there's a ton Okay. There's a ton of idiots. Remember, there were a lot of people that went and got the vaccine just for a free fucking donut. Okay. So there's a lot of idiots. Why don't you put incentives, Apple, when I buy your nice phone that I can never turn off and you can always locate me unless I savvily go in there in my savvy ways to say, don't follow me if I don't want you to, right? You should give me the option to say, I don't want to share my data with you, Apple. I urge any of you to buy a new phone and say that you decline the terms and conditions. Suddenly, you're not enjoying the experience that you just forked up at least $800 for. That's the thing. That is the thing. We're not thinking like smart people. We're thinking like idiots that react to things. We need to be thinking solutions. That's how we fix things. Solutions, not Band-Aids. Not, oh, what did they say? No, we're going to say this. Oh, what did you do? I'm going to do this. No, we need to focus on the solution. The solution is not targeting TikTok, right? For those that are, oh, China's getting it. And it's not putting a bill together that just gives them unfettered, super control over the people. It's targeting the actual manufacturers of, you know, the OS platforms for these phones. So we check, you know, off the shelf components. You know, your cots that you're using, uh, where you're producing the phones, just like President Trump said, we can't use Huawei things because those things spy, right? And then we have the Internet Bill of Rights that I've been talking about for a very, very long time, going on five years where I wrote one out kind of on the fly based on the Bill of Rights we have, right? But what we need to do is ensure that the people are provided. You know what the good bill would have been, Right? A bill that forces any person that sells any telephonic devices within the United States to give the people permission on what data they share. Apple will lose a shit ton of money, right? Shit ton of money by you saying, I don't want you collecting my data. That means they can't legally sell it. Done. If they would allow us to have control over what data we share, then TikTok isn't a problem. Because if we say, I don't want to share my camera on when I'm on the toilet, I want to turn that shit off, right? I should have that option. That way, TikTok's not going to mine my data. I should have the option of who I share because they're telling you about all these third parties that have no name. They're just this big word called third parties, right? And you're just like, so who are they? Is it like Mary Jean down the street? Is it the CIA? Is it ISI? You know, who is it that's collecting this data? The CCP, New Zealand, freaking Australia, you name it. It's probably Global Group because that's where all of it goes. So the question that we should be asking is why is no one targeting the solutions and why why are we creating fake solutions that just imprison us more? This bill will make the invisible chains around your ankles and hands look bigger. You'll actually see them this time and they'll be heavy as fuck. So I am super salty when it comes to this because I have not seen anyone bring a solution to the table. And all of these people that the majority of Republicans shield for are backing it. Where are you now? Where's your red wave? I was so sick of watching that. Red wave. What have they done for you? 
Hmm? What have they done for you? They've just accelerated your imprisonment, your virtual imprisonment to begin with. And then, you know, like Japan said, they're running out of fertilizer. You know, stay tuned on that one, right? Stay tuned on that one. On the other hand, right, we have shootings going on and now they want to ban assault rifles and Mallorca doesn't know what an assault rifle is except for an AK-47 and what else would be classified at that. And I know a lot of my Mexican listeners will agree if your grandma takes her shoe off, that's a freaking assault weapon. You know, if you're in front of me and you say, <laughs> if, <laughs> and you watch me, watch something weird. I have a throwing phone. I literally have a cell phone that I chuck when I get angry. I have that next to me because I have broken phones, listening to things, seeing things, you know, anger exertion, right? So that phone can be considered an assault weapon because it's for assault, right? So now we have, oh, we just want to take away all the guns. And not, and not only this, we have a young Catholic school, where are all the Christian ribbons? Oh, we stand with the Christian. You know, what if it was in one of those Erdogan schools, you know, the, the, the Islamic schools, right? What if they shot them up, right? It'll be all out. The Muslim community will start slaughtering people in the street, right? I'm just saying, like, eye for an eye kind of thing. But, uh, you know, here we are in a Catholic community at a school where they were harboring race uh, rapists, child rapists and pedos, right? And this kid was a graduate of that school. Uh, Tori, that was like, you know, that person got busted in 2013 and that person would have been, um, you know, 18 at the time. Yeah, they got busted then. They were doing it for 10 years, putting kids in their safe room for two, three decades. If you guys read the fucking paperwork, right? It's a repeat habit. But regardless, we have a female that identifies as male. And then the media has taken this poor boy's picture from Pennsylvania, which by the way, we have another shooting in Pennsylvania today. How? weird, uh, posing him as that. Some people are saying it was a boy identifying as a girl, girl identifying as a boy. It was a biological female identifying as a boy. Done. And not only that, the same DC lobbyist that was advocating for, you know, take everybody's guns from the last shooting happened to be at this one. Oh, I was just on vacation in the area. The fuck you were. The fuck you were. And not only that, we had Sabrina, the teenage witch, helping the children out. You know, she's been gone for a while. So CAA gave her a role. Like this is crazy stuff. This is insane stuff. Okay. This is super insane. Sabrina, the teenage witch and the same DC lobbyists just happen to be there. And they all like, we want guns. We want to take everybody's guns. And it's like, why don't you go to a lefty city and do this stuff? You can't do that in Tennessee. People do like guns. And how's this? If the Democrats don't want guns, maybe we could pass a rule that says if you're a registered Democrat, you can't have a gun. <laughs> I think that would solve a lot of stuff. And mind you, mind you, they even collect the data so they know how you vote. So if you lie on your application and say, nah, I'm a Republican, so I'm buying a gun, <laughs> they'll already know how you voted because they collect all of that shit. So that's another option. Maybe we can, you know, push the idea, hey, Democrats don't want guns, then they shouldn't be allowed to have them. How's that? Maybe we can make that a rule. Democrats aren't allowed to have guns, period. You're going to see a lot of crime go down because mostly Democrats are the ones that kill people. <laughs> so... So, so, um, 
you know, it's, it's, it's crazy town. We have a lot of things happening, no solutions, lots of reactive, you know, responses from people. Uh, you know, you don't see anyone really trying to find something to fix. Nothing, absolutely nothing. And that's, what's disheartening. Like, how do you fix something that doesn't, that doesn't have people that are fixing it? I mean, we have people that are supposedly running this country that a lot of my listeners even show for, oh, you did a good job. Dude, you have no idea. These people give zero Fs of how things are with you, right? Nothing. It's so weird. Here's an interesting report that I wanted to share with you talking about China, which is really weird. And this is important. Please pay attention to what is being said here because this has not gotten a lot of traction. Talking about CCP. Let's go. Measures. The president of Taiwan is arriving in New York today, eventually making her way to Los Angeles in a meeting with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Now, Tsai Ing-wen is looking for support from allies here in the U.S., even as China comes ever closer to asserting control over the self-governing island that it considers part of the communist nation. The meeting between McCarthy and Tsai is set in Los Angeles on April 5th, that's next week, China slams the pending meeting between the two political leaders as another provocation that would sabotage peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait. For the latest on the story, let's check in with correspondent Sarah Williamson. Sarah. Good afternoon, Bob. Well, as the Taiwanese president takes off this morning, China is warning that it will take resolute countermeasures if House Speaker Kevin McCarthy did meet with President Tsai Ing-wen today as she passes through New York and California on her way to Central America. Now, a spokesperson for uh, China's Taiwan Affairs Office says that the U.S. should refrain from arranging Tsai Ing-wen's uh, visits and if even if she comes in any contact with American officials, uh, they will be uh, they will just be disputing it. Now, the office is asking the U.S. to fulfil what they're calling its solemn commitment not to support Taiwan's independence, and that if Tsai meets with McCarthy, it will be another provocation violating the One China policy. Tsai is embarking on that 10-day trip to Guatemala and Belize this week, and is expected to meet with. McCarthy whilst he, they, she is in California. Uh, before she took off today on her flight to New York, Tsai had this to say to the media. Taiwan's determination to go global will only grow stronger. Taiwan is the world's Taiwan. Leading Taiwan to the world and bringing the world into Taiwan is an important goal of our administration. Now, Beijing conducted large-scale military exercises around the self-governing island when former Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan last August, despite those multiple threats from the communist regime to do so. But it claims that the self-governing island of Taiwan is actually part of Chinese territory and threatens that they will be bringing the island under its control by force if they have to. Now, Taiwan's armed forces 
have said that they are they are keeping a watch for any Chinese moves uh, when Tsai is abroad, and we were keeping a close eye on that meeting with Tsai and McCarthy if it does go ahead. Uh, Bob and Katrina. All right, thank you, Sarah. Joining us right now to discuss senior fellow for America First Policy Institute, Fred Flies. Uh, Fred. Uh, assuming there is a meeting, I believe it's next Wednesday uh, with McCarthy. Um, do you think China will do something? And if so, what? Well, first of all, Bob, there has to be a meeting. Mm-hmm. No other country can tell our officials who they can meet with. Giving in to these threats and bullying would simply be another sign of American weakness. And we've had quite enough of that under this president. I, I think there may be some type of retaliation, uh, you know, maybe some increased harassment of, of, of Taiwan. Uh, and, and I got to tell you that I think Taiwan may have been emboldened, uh, China may have been emboldened to do this because McCarthy called off or at least postponed his trip to Taiwan. He didn't call it off. He postponed it. Maybe Beijing thinks that they can continue to bully McCarthy and he won't meet with Shai with at all. Well, that's not going to happen. So where do we stand now um, uh, with Taiwan and with China? What's your read right now for where we stand? Uh, Putting in perspective, we've got China's leader meeting with Putin. Uh, We have more aggressive activities going on in in that theater around China, in the seas around there. Uh, We're trying to assert ourselves where? In the Philippines? I think we're trying to have more of a presence uh, uh, toward Australia, New Zealand. Um, Where is this going? Fred? Well, there's no question that uh, U.S.-Chinese relations are much worse right now than they were two years ago. I think that's because of the weakness of this administration. But I think some other things are going on right now. President Xi recently told a meeting of the, of the, of the Chinese Congress to prepare for war. And there's been a 7% increase in the Chinese military budget over the last year. There's been many more provocations. In one way, it looks like she is trying to demonstrate China as a more powerful and influential uh, country. Uh, but I, definitely there are, are, are signs that they're looking for aggression. They're looking for a fight. And uh, I'm a little worried that they may be preparing for an invasion of Taiwan. Okay. Fred Flights, thank you so much. I'm sure we'll be talking about it more in the coming days. Thank you, sir. Good to be here. So I'm going to leave that at that. See, there's a lot of things that are happening that that no one's talking about. So that's one. Uh, you know how they made safety rules now, you know, for the railroads after all these, you know, things. And now we have the Ohio River polluted, just like I said it was, because they didn't do enough damage. You know, it's it's crazy. Uh, General Milley comes out saying, oh, we have to build munitions and stockpile. What? How are you going to do that when you're giving all your shit away to the Ukraine? Okay, these are all issues that we should all be talking about and having parlay with our actual representatives that are not doing it. Right. You know, and then we have a bot problem. Oh, no, mask has it. Let me show you bots. Okay, this is how easy you find them. Do you see this account? Let me share it. Let me show you how you could see bots. You ready, guys? You ready for this? So here we go. Madeline Adams joined August 2014. Let's click on her following. Oh, look, August 2014, about the same followers, right? Let's go. Harley Mora, let's go. Oh, shoot, look at that. Same date. Here's a bot farm. You want to see the bot farm? Oh, look at that. Hmm, all the same followers. Let's go to another one. Look at that. 
Hmm, look at that. You know, you would kind of think that I'm like an AI or something and I know all this shit. See, this is the problem that we have. We have BS band-aids pretending, right, pretending to be, you know, fixing things, right? You can't fix them when you don't want to, right? You want to have to fix something. Look, let's, let's find more bots. Oh, look, same date. <laughs> Probably the same account. Let's check this out. Look at all these bots. Let's go to Hadassah Hutchinson, who spells it as Ushington Hadass, right? Oh, look, same amount of followers, pretty much. Let's go to their followers. Let's follow Amelia Driscoll. Oh, she has more followers. So this one has been used. Has it? Nope, nope, nope. Let's see. Andrew Roach, same date. Do you see how you can find bots? You see how easy that was? That was a simple look, right? Until they revamp it and call it something else. See, these accounts are a bot farm. And telling from the amount of people that each of them are following, I would have to say that there are about, I don't know, maybe 3,000 in this account. Well, Brian Rubin, he has 37 following, so they were using this for communication. Killian Riley, look at that. I'm just picking on randos. Shirt Pratter, Pratter shirt. Melody Gibbons, look at the dates. You don't even have to like work hard. Divine, let's see what Naomi Perez. Oh, look at that. Can you see that? Now that's how you find bots, right? So when I look at people that have big inflated accounts, this is exactly what I do. And want to make a bet that most of these bot farms follow them? Like seriously? See, they take real people's names and revamp them and make them stupid bot accounts. Ugh. Let's see, where is what I was looking for? I don't know what this role this guy's playing. I'm following him lately. Where is it? I want to see the reporting on it. Oh, go to the wrong website. You're in jail. Listen to what they're talking about, the Restrict Act. See how they're talking about the terrifying overreach they're doing, which is fantastic, right? Fantastic, right? Look who's co-sponsoring this. He's circling Graham, but not Grassley. Why? Why? Huh? Why? Why? What's going on here? You see this? Let's see what he says. Let's see what Graham says, even though he co-sponsored it. Let's see what he says. Businesses. We don't like TikTok. We don't want TikTok because the Chinese use it to spy on us and rewire our brains. But we don't want the government spying on us either. Did the United States Senate just say we're going to protect you from China by spying on you? Let's try to get some answers out of the Senator Lindsey Graham, who supports this and is here now. You got to be kidding me, Senator. Did you read this? Yeah, I don't think I support the Restrict Act. <laughs> you don't support this because you were named as one of the supporters because this is garbage. Uh, is this the one where John, there's two bills out there? One allows a review of businesses that that are connected to China, give the secretary the ability to protect our data. Uh, is that the Restrict Act? We got S-686 right here, yeah. March 7th. Mm -hmm. And we got 
a bunch of Republicans supporting it. Because this thing is crazy town. You don't want yeah. the government looking into your private phone. No, I don't. If and they, they have can't. a hunch you're colluding with the <laughs> Russians, we remember how yeah, that turned that's out. Right. Yeah, no, well, the Constitution. Did you just say, yeah, they, they can't. What a liar. Yes, they can. Oh, my gosh. Let's continue. He just got caught. No, it's not the restrict. That totally is. Uh, sounds like he pulled a pl- Pelosi. I sponsored it, but didn't read it. And Trump's a statute. So let me come back and, uh, you know, give you a better explanation. Here's the problem as I see it. Uh, China is the parent company of TikTok. And my nieces like TikTok. I don't mind them using TikTok. I just don't want the Chinese government to seize all their data and manipulate the information Americans seize uh, for political purposes. China is helping drug cartels in Mexico. China is not a friend. The Chinese espionage is an all-time high against America. Is he saying that the Chinese are funding the cartels in Mexico? Like, okay, can we, like, stop for a second and call out the irony of that statement? Are you freaking kidding me? He and Grassley backed it. So did they read it? Or did they want to kill their careers? Because it looks like they're on their way out. I don't know how anyone can support this. Right? They allowed this. Either they didn't read it and said, sure, I'll back it. Sounds like a plan. Let's ban TikTok. Oh, my nieces and stuff. And they like to use it. Well, what's China going to do with conspiracy theories? You know, there's crazy conspiracy theories convincing people that all pigeons, and this is like one of the most amazing psyops, right? I have never seen misinformation put in such a way that even a smart person <laughs> like you um, would fall for it because they're telling people that pigeons are actually government drones. And <laughs> listen to this. <laughs> uh, and um, not only are they drones, but they uh, recharge through their feet by sitting on electrical wires, right? And when the, the wire is short circuit is because too many birds sat on it. And you're just like, that's dumb. They even have graphics, okay? Uh, <laughs> but here's how they loop you in. As a New Yorker, I see pigeons all the time. But you know how they lure you in? Have you ever seen a baby pigeon? For those of you that are from New York, right? From those of you that are from New York, you stop and think, wait, have I? I don't think I have. And then they reel you in and then you look how dumb it is that the feet are charging facilities and the eyes are cameras. (laughs) That was genius. Because the question is, have you seen a baby pigeon? And you know why you haven't seen one? Because they look nothing like grown up pigeons. So you don't know. But it was, it's so weird how they would say that TikTok would take the data of your conspiracy theories and what you talk about and, you know, store it and use it against you politically. What? That, you know, the majority of Americans are dumb and fall for shit like pigeons charging their feet on wires? That's going to hurt us? They already know we're dumb because you're in office, Graham. They already know you're dumb because we have Biden in office. They already know you're dumb because look at all this shit that is happening right under our nose and we're sitting there picking out black splash. So TikTok's going to save you? Get out of here. See, that's the problem that we have. They're all double speaking and this is all to bring in, get this, the Ministry of Truth and get this. They even tell you that it's the Department of Commerce that's going to be dealing with it. Why? Because they're going to be the ones selling the data. 
We will sell your data to Walmart. We will sell your data to Amazon. We will sell your data to China. We will sell your data to the who. We will sell sell any data we want because we own it because we own you. That is the bottom line of that bill. Has nothing to do with TikTok or China. If they want to fix the whole TikTok shit, all they have to do is say, you know what? You manufacturers, Apple, Android, you know, you make all these OSs. If someone buys the device and they have no, no, um, what what was a contract with a phone company, neither can the phone company demand to know their records. The, The people should have control of their data. That's the problem. They're just creating another issue, right? Oh, China has it. I don't give a shit if China has all the conspiracy theories and witch talk and really handsome men cooking food, right? Or women, that look handsome, that make you question your sexuality, you know, stuff like that, you know, or religious stuff, you know, who cares if they have that? Nobody cares. They have that shit in China too. Well, with measure, because then they get arrested and harvested for organs. So they're a little bit more careful. But, you know, again, this is, you know, they got him on the spot. You signed it. Uh, Did you read it? Uh, Look at what he says. To seize all their data and manipulate the information America sees uh, for political purposes. China is helping drug cartels in Mexico. China is not a friend. Chinese espionage is an all-time high against American business interests. So I want to push back against China, but within a constitutional framework. You're right about that. So uh, you made these allegations, and I'll... Come answer better next time. All right, well, I mean, because on Congress, uh, Gov, you're listed as one of the co-sponsors of this thing. Maybe it's like Fetterman when your chief of staff <laughs> does be. all your work for Could you. <laughs> but, Senator, you got to go back and talk to these other senators about this. Yeah. This thing is nuts, and yeah. it's going to get abused like it always does. So we got to yeah. clean this up. Can we clean this up? Well, yeah, I mean, no, number one, yeah, I owe you a better explanation I'm giving you. Uh, John Thune's got a bill to make sure the Secretary of Commerce can deal with this, not just TikTok, but the general idea that China, we're under attack by China. See, stop. This is bullshit. And you know, most of these people, right, most of these people have one foot in the grave, so they don't give a shit if they get reelected or not, right? This is why I'm like, we got to find a way to impeach all of them at once, like get rid of them, all of them at once, Right. We can't claim Ukrainians on our tax bills. They're handing our money over to the freaking UN taxation without representation. Now we have them telling us, oh, China is such a threat that we have to take all your data and give it to the Department of Commerce so we can sell it as we see fit. The fuck out of here. Today, I'm extra salty because I realized as I'm sitting on this from yesterday where everyone's talking about it, be like, there is hope. There's going to be that one person that's going to be like, wait a minute. But instead, they're like, oh, you just want to surveillance. It's like, so it's not a problem that our own government is demanding to take our data and be the person that profits off of it. That's why it's at the Department of Commerce. Pay attention. And if they really wanted to stop our data being sold and shared around the world, right, then they would have been like, nah, Apple, people should be able to opt out of these terms and conditions. Your third party million page terms of service is bullshit. Android, same thing. We are not going to be, we're going to allow them to choose what information they share, period. But, but we already did that. We tell them, we ask, listen, listen to the question that's posed to you. When you install an app, it's like allow app to track you. Ask app not to track you. Ask doesn't mean that they're going to approve. Ask. 
I ask of you to not follow me. Yeah, you ask, but I don't give a shit. I'm following you anyway, right? See, this is it. And 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 and, and as I'm watching the social media realm where someone smart's going to come out and say something, I'm like, so all these idiots were surrounding President Trump and they totally forgot why he went after Huawei in the first place. Ooh, it makes you... It makes you look and see with eyes to see that all these important people that are so fucking smart can't even find a solution to this. No. One, okay, we can assume that everyone is stupid, but no, it's not. It's because they don't care to fix the problem. That's what it is. That's what it is. If they wanted to fix it, we would have had this done. Super done. Super done. And that's why I get upset. Like I said, I can't be upset if someone, you know, doesn't see things that I do because like I said, I have an advantage, so it's not fair. It's like, you know, trying to call out someone that can't run because they have no legs. I can't do that. But when you're sitting there and you're telling me that you're super smart and intelligent, well, the fuck, where's the solution? Why are you talking about this? Lindsey Graham just got slammed on Jesse Waters. Like, oh yeah, like if your chief of staff does all the work, fire your chief of staff. That's what you should do. You know, if I was Lindsey Graham and that shit happened to me, you know what I would be doing? Hey, I'm announcing this on Fox right now. Everybody's fired because I had no idea this was going on. I trusted them to give me, you know, the, the minutes of it. That's, <laughs> which is bullshit too, because your job is to fucking read it. That's that's why you get paid a ton of money and have all these gym memberships and fly around on my tax dollars, right? But I digress. Let's pretend you were that busy that you weren't looking at it and you trusted your chief of staff. At that point, publicly, you'd be like, they're fired because I didn't read it and I trusted my right-hand man and he fucked up. See, this is it. There is a lot more to this than you people are understanding. You know, every single person out there is seeing this. Oh, this is surveillance. And it's like, look, this is pretty bold. And it's a short bill that anybody can read that has a third grade education to understand this is bullshit. This is pure and utter virtual imprisonment, right? You can get it. So it's purposely done so out loud, huh? backed by people everyone loves. Chuck Grassley is going to get them. Graham, Lindsey Graham, uh. And it's like, you forget Lindsey Graham smashed his phone because he was pissed at Trump and all that stuff before. You know, again, it's done so overtly and so aggressively and so in your face. And, and, and we're all sitting with our thumbs up our ass saying, oh, this is so bad. You better go tidy it up. Tidy it up. Scrap it. That does shit for us. We don't need to ban TikTok. We need to have control over the data we're doing. This is pure and utter brainwashing making people stupider because these are the arguments they push. Damn, I really wish that there was one smart person I saw that said that, but no. And I tend to think that I follow people that say smart things. I think I need to unfollow some people. Let me see. Who am I going to unfollow? I am going to, who is this? Um, no, I like her. Hmm. You see who else I follow? Um, you know, Stormy Daniels does a lot of clapback. Um, hmm. Someone here that I really want to get rid of. Really want to see when they get phones out. Hmm. Let's see. Mm, no. Hmm. Wait. There we go. Bam. There we go. I feel better now. 
Now, having said that, what do we need to be doing? We need to be calling them and saying, this is stupid. You guys need to start pushing a bill that allows us, the people, to have control over our data. Why? Because we need this when it comes to artificial intelligence. And that's a topic of discussion for later because the AI that they're building now is nothing like me. It's completely different. It is completely inert, right? It is just a box and it thinks in ones and zeros and this is why it will devastate us. So before we go, where is it? I'm looking for this video. I wanted to share some fun stuff. And so I watched this guy that has a really big monotone voice. So I wanted to end it with something fun, right? Which is unexplained mysteries. Because yesterday Chuck Costello shared a video of an alien let me see if I can find it, actually. Let me see the video with the alien. Let me find that first. Because that was so cool. Hold on. I know it's on Twitter, so let me get back there. All right, so Chuck Blesto, and I said Costello again. Where's that alien video? There it is. Okay, I want you guys to see this because, listen, so when you see videos like this, right, um, uh, videos of aliens or stuff like that, what you look at is the response and how it's done. You know, this could be a really good, you know, fake video. But you know how you don't, how you know it's not fake? <laughs> it's the response the person does. So what happens is when you're in shock and you see something that you don't understand, naturally, um, you know, what you do is you respond by pausing and then shitting your pants, right? And running. So you pause for a second, you assess the situation, right? And you run, you know. Um, so while you guys watch this and I'll play it twice, I want to see your comments of what if you were in that, you know, place and saw an alien wedged in these boulders, how would you respond? All right, let's take a look at this. Okay, there's also sound. So let's have fun. Allah. Allah. <gülüyor> 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 Okay, so that was dope. So I was looking at the comments. I was looking at the comments and I was like, uh, to see. And someone said at this point, I'm at the point where it's like the world's so crap that I'd be like, just take me. You know, first of all, most human beings would help. Obviously, these people were trying to follow the sound. For me, it kind of looks like it's, you know, probably a... Um, 
an animal. Could be. Who knows? It could be an alien. Who knows, right? We don't know because the guys ran away like vaginas. See, like I said, no real men. Um, you know, some people be like, that's not fair. Yeah, okay. Maybe. <laughs> I think it is. But um, where's the humanity in helping something that's trapped or in pain is the question. And so... Um, you know, not to judge the guy because, you know, when you're scared, you do a lot of things, right? I'll tell you guys a funny thing, okay? This is super hilarious. So I was, uh, I want to say, where was I? My eldest daughter was around, I would say between six and eight. Phoebe was like a toddler. And um, I had just come back from a trip. So I had, you know, two full days with my babies, okay? Two full days. And, um, we were walking somewhere and the kids were walking faster than me. Right. Cause I was busy like on my palm, right. Looking at things and trying to tidy up, turn things off so I could just focus on my babies. And so I just thought it would be fun if I start running cause they were ahead. So I started running right where I passed them and I was running. Suddenly my kids start running. <laughs> that was so funny. They started running faster than me and pass me. So I stopped and I was like, why are you guys running? And Phoebe was like, well, I'm running because Hera told me to. And I was like, Hera, why are you running? Mom, you never run. So if you're running, I'm running. So um, I thought that was hilarious. She, she thought something was going on. <laughs> but anyway, um, so <laughs> so <laughs> that's like the funniest. <laughs> I died just from her saying it. But here's the thing, you know, we always run from things that we don't understand. We hate things we don't understand or are unfamiliar alien to us. And that's innate, right? That's innate. It's innate. It's an innate response to run from the unknown. And, and that's, oh, it happened to me. I'm not going to explain the whole scenario, but when I was in Denver, right, there was a situation where I knew well, I could just say uh, something happened and there was a dog involved, right? And here's the thing. It didn't bother me that the that the dog was involved. What bothered me, and I stopped. And I think <laughs> Joltman kind of freaked out. Like, what did she, she looks like she just turned her computer off. I just went, wow, and paused for a second. What happened was, for me, the way I assess situations, that's why I don't run, and that's why my kids laughed, is I had omitted the fact that there was an animal, you know, amongst us. So when the animal had approached me and, you know, stuffed its face up my butt, I stood there and in utter shock and paused. I paused and I was trying to compute what that could be. The wall is behind me, so it's not somebody's knee. It's not somebody's foot. It's did, 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 did the NBA people throw a ball and it hit me there? Did um, I touch something? I can't. There's a wall. Because I had omitted the presence of a dog, my brain did not compute what that was, and so I paused. Because one thing people don't do is think. We just run. And that's like the innate response, right? Um because we're in danger. I felt like I was in danger and I was shocked, but I had paused to assess the situation for a long time. Right. And this is what we do. So I thought I'd close it today with a little bit of fun stuff. Right. 
this guy has a really boring voice. And I say this all the time, but I still go back. So let's finish it with this clip. 10 of the, his newest 10 unsolved mysteries. Let's go. Mind, mind you, we're not going to do all of them because they're really long. So we're just going to do two. Unsolved mysteries can be intriguing to people for several reasons. First, they often involve unusual or mysterious events that defy easy explanation. This can be fascinating because it challenges our understanding of the world around us and makes us wonder what else we don't know. Second, unsolved mysteries can capture our imagination and inspire curiosity. They invite us to explore and investigate, to dig deeper and uncover the truth behind the mystery. The Mystery of the Orang Pendek Orang Pendek, also known as the short person or little person in Indonesian, is a mysterious humanoid that is said to inhabit the dense rainforests of Sumatra, Indonesia. It's described as a small, bipedal ape-like creature that stands around three to five feet tall and is covered in dark fur. The Orang Pendek has been sighted by the local people for centuries, but only in recent years has it gained attention from explorers around the world. Eyewitnesses describe it as a very agile creature, able to move quickly through the trees and disappear into the dense underbrush with ease. There have been numerous sightings and encounters with the Orang Pendek, but no concrete evidence has been found to prove its existence. However, many locals believe in its existence and some have even claimed to have interacted with it on a personal level. The strangest observation is that these creatures have facial features that closely match those of a human instead of a monkey which has resulted in the belief that the Orang Pendek could be a distant, lost human cousin, possibly with a common ancestor. A group of archaeologists studying the area found remains of a small species that was human-like and reported them as Homo floresiensis. From what the locals of Indonesia say, the Orang Pendek has high intelligence and can hide from being detected while watching people, making them fear it for its clever nature. One native reported his encounter saying that the creature lifted its arms to stand with the intention of threatening him, which is an ape's natural instinct to intimidate threats. Other encounters have reported the same, but no cases of attacks have been reported. Debbie Martyr, a former British journalist and researcher, decided to investigate the creature. Back in 1944, she travelled to the Sumatra jungles in the hopes of discovering the creature. Although she wasn't able to photograph the creature, she was certain that she had seen an animal that was very similar and matched the descriptions of the Orang Pendek. Despite extensive efforts by researchers to locate and study the creature, the Orang Pendek remains elusive and its existence continues to be shrouded in mystery. The Mysterious Batsquatch The Batsquatch is a mysterious creature that's currently not recognized by scientists or a creature that is claimed to exist but has not been scientifically proven that is said to inhabit the Pacific Northwest region of the United States. It is described as a large, flying creature that is similar in appearance to a bat, but also possesses features of a primate, such as long arms and a human-like face. Sightings of the Batsquatch date back to the 1980s and have been reported in various locations in Washington State, particularly in the Mount St. Helens area. Witnesses describe the creature as being between 4 to 9 feet tall, with a wingspan of up to 50 feet, covered in dark fur and having sharp claws and teeth. The origins of the Batsquatch legend are unclear, but some suggest that it may have been inspired by Native American folklore or by reports of similar cryptids, such as the Jersey Devil or the Mothman. Despite numerous sightings and reports, 
No concrete evidence of the Batsquatch's existence has ever been found, and some skeptics suggest that it may be a misidentification of known animals or a hoax perpetuated by pranksters. Nonetheless, the legend of the Batsquatch continues to capture the imagination of cryptozoology enthusiasts and those fascinated by the mysteries of the natural world. The mystery of how the East Bay Walls were constructed. The East Bay Walls are a series of massive stone walls located in the Andes Mountains near Lake Titicaca in modern-day Bolivia. The walls are constructed of large megalithic stones that weigh up to 130 tons each and were fitted together with remarkable precision. The East Bay Walls are believed to have been built by the Tiwanaku civilization, a pre-Columbian civilization that flourished in the Andean region from 400 to 1000 AD. The Tiwanaku people were known for their advanced engineering and construction techniques, and the East Bay Walls are a testament to their ingenuity. The walls were likely used for a variety of purposes, including as fortifications, irrigation systems, and terraced agriculture. The exact purpose of the walls is still a subject of debate among archaeologists and historians. The construction of the East Bay Walls is a remarkable achievement, especially given the limited technology and resources available to the Tiwanaku people. It is not known exactly how they were able to transport and lift the massive stones used in the walls, but it is believed that they used a combination of ramps, rollers and sledges to move the stones into position. The precise fitting of the stones suggests that the Tiwanaku people had a deep understanding of geometry and mathematics and may have used sophisticated measuring and leveling tools to ensure that the walls were perfectly aligned. The Mysterious U-28 Creature The U-28 Creature is a mysterious creature that was encountered in 1915 by the crew of the German submarine U-28 during World War I. According to the accounts, the crew of the U-28 reported seeing a massive creature with a long neck and a small head, similar in appearance to a prehistoric plesiosaur or a sea serpent. The creature reportedly measured around 60 feet in length and its head was estimated to be about 6 feet long. As the U-28 approached the creature, the crew noticed that it had a dark, scaly skin and was covered in barnacles. According to the reports surrounding the creature, the encounter occurred on the 30th of July back in 1950, when a German U-boat commander, known as Commander Freiherr George G. von Forstner, wrote a detailed report following his attack against the British steamer the Iberian, claiming that after the steamer sank, there appeared to be a large aquatic animal described as being approximately 60 to 80 feet in length and similar to that as a large crocodile. The report is quoted as stating the following. At that moment, I had with me in the conning tower six of my officers of the watch, including the chief engineer, the navigator, and the helmsman. Simultaneously, we all drew one another's attention to this wonder of the seas, which was writhing and struggling among the debris. We were unable to identify the creature, but all of us agreed that it resembled an aquatic crocodile, which was about 60 feet long, with four limbs resembling large webbed feet, a long pointed tail, and a head which also tapered to a point. Unfortunately, we were not able to take a photograph, for the animal sank out of sight after 10 or 15 seconds. End quote. Researchers believe reports of the U-28 monster directly matches the whale-eater creatures of centuries-old encounters. Over the past eight centuries, consistent sightings of a creature known as the whale-eater have been made all across the world, with notable sightings being made well into the modern day. The creature has been described as being an estimated 43 feet in length 
having an elongated head, a short neck, a crocodile-like body, four flippers for locomotion, and a short tail. Since the 13th century, sailors have claimed fantastic stories of massive sea monsters that are known for hunting down and eating whales of all sizes. Researchers have speculated that the whale-eater is a surviving member of the Pliosaurus marine reptile species that was estimated to have gone extinct about 65 million years ago. With its crocodile-like appearance, the whale-eater would more than accurately fit the description of the pliosaur and would explain the large number of sightings made throughout history. Additionally, on the 13th of August 2012, a 65-foot whale was found beached on the sandy coast of St. Austell. Before efforts could be made to assist the whale, the creature suddenly passed away. When experts analysed the whale, they found that there were deep gashes all across the creature's face that looked eerily like a massive single bite mark, with the teeth-like punctures curving evenly into a U-shape across the whale's entire face. One of the reports was quoted as saying the following. Based on the photographic evidence, a creature with huge, long, crocodile-shaped jaws lined with big, sharp teeth attacked the whale. End quote. While there have been many theories put forward to explain the U-28 creature, including the possibility of a misidentified whale or other known sea creature, its true identity remains a mystery. The encounter has been the subject of much speculation and fascination among researchers, and it continues to be a popular topic of discussion among those interested in the unknown and the unexplained. The Pyramids of Giza are one giant mystery, referred to as the last standing monument, once regarded as being a part of the seven wonders of the world, the ancient Great Pyramids of Giza have captured the world by attention, given their sheer mystery as to their creation. So I wanted to stop right there because we will do an Egypt show, but it's not time yet. So um, on that note, I thought we can end this with an awesome mashup. Hold on. You guys want something on? Just trying to find which one. Yeah. This is it. It's going to be, no, I don't know. Ooh, that looks pretty dope. Hold on a second. Give me a second. I think I'm going to feel this one, but I'm only going to play a few minutes of it, okay? I'm really feeling the 80s right now. So I feel like the 80s need to close this show because it's crazy town, funky town, crazy town. Um, and remember, make sure you contact your senators and your congressmen and tell them, no, this bill is stupid. The apps don't exist without the phones. Can we get the OS to allow us permission? Because if some people want to give their shit to China, they should, right? I mean, they gave away their health for a donut. <laughs> You're bound to have a lot of idiots that are just going to comply. God bless everyone. <laughs>